data science and pharma. That's our discussion for today on CXO Talk. Bulent Kislaton, tell us about your work. I have been advising companies on how to leverage machine learning and build data science use cases for best outcomes, uh, as you mentioned, multiple domains that includes pharma and biotech. Set the stage for us. What are we actually, what are we talking about? Pharma is, is big business, very big companies that are trying to survive in that space. It's uh, very competitive uh, from a business perspective, but also the um, uh, public health impact of how pharma companies are conducting their R&D and how they're investing uh, their efforts uh, has a huge impact. Uh, so when we look at the drug discovery and uh, production costs, it has been skyrocketing over the last decade or so. It's gone up from approximately $800 million per drug uh, to develop from end to end. That, that's the number back from 2001. And in 2016, uh, the projected number was uh, approximately $2.9 billion. And when we look at the projections, it seems it's going to be unsustainable. So uh, pharma companies are looking for ways to cut down the cost and coming up with new innovative approaches to drug discovery uh, to continue uh, to be relevant and uh, sustain their impact. AI and data science and drug discovery, basically it's like every other industry. They're trying to do it faster, do it better, and do it cheaper, right? And I mean, as a quick summary. Certainly, it's, it's, it's one dimension uh, of, of that equation, but I think uh, it's even more important than that. I mean, pharma companies, if they uh, don't come up with means to cut down the cost, uh, they will not be able to survive. They are going to maybe turn into another Nokia uh, if they are not using the most innovative approaches, whereas some other companies... Uh, you know, they can optimize certain procedures and in, increase revenue. There's certainly ROI in investing into data science. But I think um, uh, pharma is uh, at a critical spot uh, and the uh, challenge is monumental. I'm assuming then that using data science and AI, te AI techniques in pharma must be pretty far along since it's so, you, you're describing it as existentially important? I think it's an existential point of investment. But um, uh, to the contrary, what you just said, I think um, the data science and machine learning investment in pharma uh, is it's in infancy. It's, they're just learning to crawl in that space, uh, mainly because pharma companies have to really reinvent how uh, they are going about R&D, how they're implementing the results from their research and development into their uh, uh, pipelines, and uh, you cannot have and remain uh, uh, the same with the same infrastructure and expect uh, innovation to happen. So I think uh, uh, both culturally and from an infrastructure perspective, uh, pharma companies are very big. There's a lot of inertia internally, um, and adapting data science uh, and going beyond from a service provider internally to a critical stakeholder in the decision-making process takes time. Can you elaborate when you say make uh, an evolution from being a service provider to a critical stakeholder and decision-maker, what, what does that mean? This is a generic problem in, in many businesses as well as pharma. And in pharma, uh, where the risks are very high, uh, both financially and strategically, uh, um, traditionally pharma has been very territorial. 
So uh, back in the days when data science was not on the map and there were uh, biostatisticians or uh, uh, people who do informatics, they were providing services to other stakeholders, to the main stakeholders they were, that were driving the business and drug discovery pipelines. Um, and they are uh, currently uh, being replaced by data science teams by just changing the label. And uh, that works to a certain extent for short-term short -term gains but it's, uh, I think uh, pharma companies uh, realize that uh, keeping them siloed and not fully integrated into the decision-making process at the very top uh, will not work in the long term. So I think that transformation is taking place as we speak in uh, big pharma. What are some of the applications, some of the domain areas within pharma that data science and AI seems particularly well-suited for? Data science has a, a potential to make an impact in, in uh, all uh, operational uh, pipelines, uh, both in pharma and in other uh, businesses. So far, uh, in pharma, uh, interestingly, data science has already made an impact in uh, optimizing the clinical trials pipeline, which is uh, essential and it cuts down the cost. The projections are with just implementing um, rudimentary machine learning and data science into the clinical trials process uh, can and has been cutting down the cost uh, up to 20%. So this is very significant. So the clinical trials process has been using machine learning effectively, and it's going to be even more um, effective as, as the years go by. And also um, pharma is trying to make financial predictions to um, understand the potential market impact of any uh, uh, drug they're, they're uh, trying to discover or work on. So machine learning has provided very powerful predictive machines that give, gives uh, uh, pharma companies uh, powerful predictions about the finances and that has been also uh, showing promise in that space. But then the uh, main areas where uh, pharma companies are trying to uh, improve the drug discovery process, I think data science implementation is still in its infancy. There are new technologies coming up from the data science domain that are uh, currently being discussed uh, and uh, implemented in the drug discovery process, but uh, we are yet to see uh, a drug discovery that is being done or uh, empowered by uh, deep learning or data science in general. Why is that? What makes this so difficult? There are multiple dimensions uh, to this question. Uh, one of them is data science is an up-and-coming discipline. It's still not mature enough uh, with, this, uh, with its methodologies. That, you know, the uh, domain is changing and reinventing itself, transforming every six months. So, uh, for instance, this year, uh, a graph learning and uh, a graph theory uh, is being used uh, in data science and deep learning, and it is one of the uh, uh, one of the promises of graph learning and deep learning is drug discovery. On the uh, pharma side of things, uh, data plays an important role in any type of data science operations and use case. Uh, the data has not been clean and not well integrated, so pharma companies are uh, working very hard to aggregate their uh, data, uh, clean them up as much as possible, and um, add public information to the data that they have to um, increase the predictive power of a data science. So the data 
uh, not aggregated data plays an important role not moving forward. Also, the integration internally in pharma companies. Uh, data science is a fully collaborative effort. And as I mentioned, traditionally, pharma has been very siloed and very territorial. So unless there is uh, an empowerment from the very top pushing the stakeholders to fully co cooperate and uh, approach this problem and frame it as how can we achieve what we want to achieve together rather than you know uh, provide me with those insights and I will do uh, my end of things and I will do my job, uh, I think are, are critical. So the cultural transformation, the data transformation, and also the um, uh, know-how that's being improved as, as years go on in data science, they all play a role in moving slowly in that space. But also there is a justified skepticism that I want to uh, touch upon is um, tra traditionally, again, uh, pharma has been very siloed and the uh, leadership uh, that is leading data science efforts uh, were not essentially data science domain experts. And they were uh, purely driven by uh, their uh, traditional ways of thinking of business and that, that sort of thinking has shown not to work with data science uh, operations. So that is also quickly transforming itself. We have a few questions from Twitter. Sal Rasa asks, what kind of culture change is required to connect the intention with the outcomes for the organizations that you are involved with? Or another way of saying it is, what are the cultural disconnects that interfere with the use of data science and AI techniques for drug discovery in pharma? Data science is a, a collaborative effort. I mean, all the stakeholders have to be organically uh, integrated and work for the same cause. So uh, one of the challenges of big companies, and especially in pharma, um, uh, is that the stakeholders have been siloed for a very long time, for many decades, and they have been very territorial. So that mindset has to change. And also for a data science to uh, make an impact, uh, they have to be critical uh, stakeholders uh, and they have to sit at the decision-making table rather than just being service providers. Uh, so that is also uh, changing. So, so once those two areas uh, have been transformed culturally and internally, I think then the next step is to find the right leader and the right talent, uh, assuming that the data is in place. And I think, uh, yes, we, uh, we are expecting a huge impact uh, in the uh, pharma space, but I think that's going to take a, a few more years. What you're saying is there's a kind of deep cultural divide between the way pharma has operated historically and the way data science must operate. Can you explain a little bit about the collaborative nature of data science and why it's so important in this context? There's a flip side of the coin where people uh, moving into data science have very strong academic backgrounds and um, uh, they don't have essentially the uh, uh, optimized thinking of, of business folks. And on, on the business side of things, uh, things are very structured. Uh, and uh, the KPIs, the key performance metrics, uh, don't necessarily always speak to data scientists. So it's essential to find a leader or uh, translators to translate what the business side of things is expecting from the data science uh, teams. And also a person that can translate what can and cannot be done to prevent over-promising to the business people to 
uh, essentially prevent uh, overhyping what a data science can deliver. So I think, uh, you know, speaking the same language is essential. And there are very few leaders who can successfully do that. We have another question from Twitter. And uh, Arsalan Khan asks, he says, if pharma is using data science for clinical trials, then it would also be useful to regulators such as the FDA. Has there been a push by the government to get data science involved in this as well? That's a very good point. We've seen that in the healthcare uh, industry for regulators, we see the same thing uh, in the financial world where, where the regulators were really behind of the curve and the uh, transformation essentially that AI is bringing uh, into the domain. Uh, in FDA, I know of efforts where uh, the teams are being transformed to implement some of the uh, new technologies that are up and coming and how they can be implemented in a healthy manner into the whole clinical trials pipeline. There was a lot of resistance uh, to uh, um, machine learning algorithms uh, uh, by the regulators. Uh, that has been changing and uh, uh, FDA and other government regulators are trying to transform themselves as well. Zachary Jeans asks a really interesting question. He said, what does the average person get wrong about what data science is and its use in drug discovery? So the misconceptions that, that non-scientists have about this, help, it, help us understand that. I think the perception is uh, you give data to a machine learning algorithm and it you know, spits out uh, the final product. I mean, that's not how machine learning works. Uh, machine learning uh, is incrementally implemented into the whole process, uh, including clinical trials, but the drug discovery itself and the holy grail of drug discovery using machine learning is to uh, make predictions on the therapeutics side of things uh, with machine learning uh, just by going into the compound libraries that pharmaceutical companies have and uh, pipe in the clinical trials data, both the successful ones and the failures in the past, and ask the machine learning algorithm to spit out something that's predictive and useful in nature. That has not happened yet. Maybe the uh, layman uh, understanding of machine learning is this, and it might happen in the future, but we're not there yet. You mentioned that uh, one of the obstacles is the lack of data and the lack of normalized and prepared data. Can you give us some insight into what kind of data you're describing? There are clinical trials data that is uh, all over the place. They are not standardized across even within a single pharma company because uh, different stakeholders, they create their own data. They used to create their own data and uh, they were not normalized. Uh, also, uh, because data scientists or machine learning experts have not been a critical part in the decision-making process in the past, the type of data that is available, even if they were normalized and cleaned, uh, might not be sufficient to extract the type of information that we're trying to extract. Right now, with the proliferation of different techniques, uh, sensors that we can uh, put on uh, um, the people who are a part of the clinical trials and continuously monitor them, not during the trials only, but after when they go home, I think that sort of data that we get from sensors that we can attach uh, to individuals will be 
uh, very powerful in the future. So that sort of information is currently not available. They are being implemented currently, but in order for machine learning algorithms to make predictions, we need uh, 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 data going back a few years. So uh, we, we don't have that yet. Is data the primary or lack of data the primary obstacle to broader adoption of, of AI and data, data science techniques in drug discovery? Or is it the set of cultural issues you were describing? Or is it kind of a agglomeration of both together? I will give you a third option. Uh, both play an important role, but also our understanding of human physiology and disease is, is very primitive. I mean, it's, we under, from, from, because I'm a physicist, I can tell you, uh, for, in physics, we have a fundamental, fundamental understanding of the laws uh, that produce the universe that we see. But in biology, uh, the interactions of proteins and how disease happens to be and the physiology, the, the fundamental understanding is not there yet. So uh, this is a, both a pro and a con, uh, you know, how data science can make an impact. So it's a limitation that we have because we don't have the fundamentals. But this is, this is again, one of the primary reasons why data science can make and will make an impact because we can do data-driven um, predictions uh, even though we don't know how the fundamentals work. So I think the uh, disciplinary uh, ignorance, if you will, the lack of deep information, I think, is one of the primary uh, bottlenecks that prevents us from uh, producing drugs that are going to be impactful. Can you give us an example of a situation where it's worked, where data science has supported machine learning, has supported drug discovery? For pharma companies, I think the primary objective right now is to build their infrastructure and be ready when the technology uh, is ready uh, at a, uh, and it can be scaled. But uh, startups, because they are very focused, they are agile, they're dynamic, they don't have the cultural divide, everybody's working to achieve a single goal. There have been startups that have shown to produce predictions about uh, a molecular structure in three dimensions, uh, purely driven by data and purely produced in the computer and make those predictions uh, about molecules. And once those molecules are produced and tested in the lab, they show efficacy that are being predicted. So uh, I don't want the name, I want to, I don't want to name names, but there are uh, companies that have shown and published their work. And uh, recently, uh, Google DeepMind also published uh, uh, one of their uh, tools that is called AlphaFold, uh, which uses deep learning uh, uh, approaches to make predictions about the three-dimensional structure of protein. So it will be a very active domain within uh, drug discovery and pharma. And uh, I am expecting that there will be a breakthrough in the coming year. What you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, seems like a good idea, but not yet. It depends on who is saying it's not a good idea. So I think for pharma companies, I think it's uh, essential, critical to invest into that domain, even though I predict for the coming year or two, uh, pharma companies will end up buying the solutions that startups have produced, mainly because it's much cheaper that way, and uh, uh, startups can move much quicker in their drug development efforts currently. But I think it's essential for pharma companies to be ready 
and have a scalable infrastructure and talent pool when uh, the time comes. It's, there is a, a big opportunity cost if they don't do so. And also for startup companies, I think moving quickly and attracting top talent, uh, being culturally viable for data science is one of their advantages, but they have a big disadvantage. They don't have the data that requires. So I think it's also essential to build uh, collaborative relationships between big pharma and startups to alleviate that problem. Are there any specific examples of that that you can point to that you're comfortable talking about? For instance, one of the startups that has uh, proven that their predictions um, shows promise, uh, they have uh, partnered with Big Pharma to uh, use their compound libraries to inform their uh, deep learning and machine learning algorithms to make uh, uh, further predictions. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, the predictions that they're making is not public yet, but I, I would assume that they're making a progress in that sense. Give us examples of where the use of data science and machine learning has not met expectations or, or failed, and give us some insight at the same time as to what went wrong. One reason data science has produced some ju justified skepticism in many domains, including pharma, is the uh, leaders of that domain, as I said, they were essentially not domain experts. They had um, maybe unrealistic expectations of what data science can do today and were projecting for the future. And data science has yet to, yet to produce um, uh, um, uh, therapeutics and medicines that can be used in cell therapy, in gene therapy. Those are areas where pharma is growing uh, mainly because data science has to offer uh, a new insights in those domains. So um, until now, we are we haven't seen uh, data science-driven insights into uh, drug discovery, except uh, a few startups that have been that have shown some promise in that area. But we we don't have a single uh, drug yet that has been uh, predicted and has gone through the uh, pipeline to produce a drug that's viable and applicable. You know, we have to consider also uh, that, you know, data science is, is not the uh, only uh, part to blame here. In, in regular uh, drug discovery or uh, a drug development, one out of 20 uh, drugs that go through the pipeline uh, are successful. So there's a very high attrition rate anyway in the standard approach. So data science uh, is promising to increase those odds. Given the challenges, why do you say that, uh, that data science is an existential necessity for pharma? As, as I just pointed uh, to the cost of drug discovery right now, I think it's past $3 billion per drug to be produced and go to the market. And the projections show it's going to hit $5 billion in the coming years. But that projection, that cost is just not sustainable. Uh, either the price will go up to a level where it will not make sense for uh, pharma companies to invest into them, which essentially will uh, uh, make their portfolio even smaller and you know the uh, revenues will go down, or they have to come up with new ways. And data science and AI is potentially the... Uh, only way that we know of right now to cut down the cost, to optimize the whole process, and even come up with uh, new insights just given 
that uh, pharma companies have huge compound libraries that uh, scientists have not been able to effectively tap into to produce insights in the past. So I think you know it, it won't be far-fetched to predict that uh, AI and data science machine learning will produce uh, new insights. We just don't know the level of impact it's going to have in the future, but I'm optimistic. What's the time frame do you think that that we will actually see some type of material result as opposed to the shall we say theory today that it seems like a good idea? Data science is already playing a role in cutting down the cost, uh, also producing new insights, making the clinical trials process more effective, especially doing patient enrollment, uh, uh, produce data that's will produce information that's more useful for the data science process. So I would expect, since the data is already uh, coming in over the past year or two, I, I would expect a, um, a drug or uh, therapeutics to come out that uh, has been uh, largely influenced and empowered by data science processes. But that doesn't mean that you know a data science and machine learning is uh, yet powerful enough and implemented well enough to make predictions for three-dimensional structure and uh, to produce uh, therapeutics from end-to-end. I think that is a holy grail to um, be able to simulate things in the computer and um, uh, produce information and empower the uh, people who are developing the drugs uh, from end-to-end, which will primarily drive down the costs significantly, which will make uh, therapeutics accessible to uh, people who have rare diseases. I mean, though it was not financially viable for pharma companies to invest into what's called or- orphan diseases, diseases that uh, not more than 200,000 people in the U.S. are suffering, but they are significant. And now data science processes will make those drug development efforts viable and possible for people with genetic uh, disorders and mutations. And it's one of the areas where, in which uh, dr- pharma companies are currently investing, cell therapeutics uh, and gene therapeutics. We have another question from Twitter. Arsalan Khan asks a great question having to do with the data. Given the fact that the data is so important, is this different from any other area, type of domain, uh, where we have to gather and aggregate large amounts of data? And in addition, specifically in drug discovery, are there perception and bias issues that, can, that are obstacles to progress and getting the results that we want? Yes, aggregate data is very important in all domains. Uh, the... Um a problem uh, in farm is that the risks are high. So you cannot just probabilistically make a prediction and see uh, and test it on the ground to uh, get results and then basically um, produce that, that drug. Uh, so, so the stakes are very high. It's not like a marketing effort where you can produce a model that's based on uh, uh, probabilities that you're producing and then you can iterate uh, in the market in real time to inform your algorithms to perfect them. Uh, that's very uh, difficult uh, in even in clinical trials because there are certain strict regulations uh, that regulate what you can and cannot do. So uh, you have to be uh, very transparent. Uh, you have to have 
very finely sampled data uh, rather than just granular data. Uh, you cannot um, aggregate data and average out certain aspects of that data, which you can really do in marketing data and some other domains. So the, the risks are very high in, in pharma. So to the second part of the question about biases, yes, uh, bias exists everywhere because we humans are biased. So our biases are reflected into the data. There has been an ongoing discussion whether machine learning algorithms are biased. Uh, I would argue that the uh, algor algorithms reflect the bias that's in the data. And certainly that bias also exists in the pharma space. Uh, we have certain methodologies to overcome those biases, but uh, it's an ongoing effort uh, by all parties, both in academia and in an industry. James McGovern asks, any thoughts on how enterprise architecture adds value in general to data science, but if there are specifics that you can talk about in pharma, that would be great. It's one of the most critical components of data science operations, I think. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, data science has been slow in uh, delivering and uh, uh, why the uh, data science efforts have been hampered is mainly because uh, IT uh, and uh, the enterprise architecture has not been incentivized to keep up with technology in the past. So going into an infrastructure uh, which is not up to date, that doesn't use the latest technology and uh, does not speak organically uh, with the uh, data science efforts was one of the uh, uh, problems and has been one of the problems in, in larger companies. So uh, in order for companies to move forward and produce the value that data science is uh, promising quickly, I think uh, an effort uh, that is company-wide where all stakeholders are on board is essential. Uh, the specifics of uh, you know, what type of enterprise architecture is to be used is very domain-specific. Uh, it's uh, very specific to the business objectives of the company, the timelines and the resources, and the talent pool. Uh, but I think uh, that there are a lot of solutions in the market which can be customized uh, to the company uh, to make sure that the data science can deliver today. We have another question from Twitter, and this is from the at CXO Talk account. What part of the drug discovery process do you see data science making the most significant contributions in drug discovery? I think uh, the frontier today is to make predictions on the three-dimensional structures of molecules and compounds uh, with the computer using machine learning algorithms. Currently, um, those are all done manually uh, with uh, uh, robots, uh, but they are basically manually mixing certain compounds and trying to see the effect on uh, uh, target molecules. And this is, again, done manually. I think the frontier is where machine learning can uh, go into the compound library know what the target is and make predictions based on previous trials. I think this is where uh, machine learning can and will make an impact, uh, but it will take time. Talk about the collaborative nature of data science and drill, and drill down and compare that to the siloed nature of historically the way uh, pharma companies work. Coming from academia, you know, culture is unfortunately not something that we have always talked about, but uh, as we 
uh, move into uh, the business and how things uh, can operate and produce value, uh, culture comes up at the top of our list all the time in, in many of the use cases uh, that we are uh, in, uh, working on. So culturally, uh, the business mindset expects certain outcomes and they are very rigid in their thinking. I mean, this is the traditional way of approaching things. And also in pharma, uh, different silos and stakeholders, they want certain results and they are used to getting certain results. Uh, data science uh, by nature uh, has a significant exploratory component to it. And I think this is not being appreciated by many business stakeholders. They have a, you know, if you keep a rigid uh, project management pipeline and expect certain outcomes without redefining how you operate, it will be very difficult for data scientists to use their creative capability to contribute to the operations and to the value that data science can produce. So there are, there are two outcomes to this. It, you know, one outcome is in, in cases where business uh, people who have been at the company are strong stakeholders. They will push the data science teams to keep producing the rigid outcomes that they're used to, and it will limit the um, uh, production and the creative contribution that data science team can do. Uh, whereas companies who are on the uh, way of transforming and redefining their culture, I think sitting down with uh, the data science leadership and having a dynamic interaction and um, producing the key performance metrics together and to keep it dynamic, I think is essential because you know data science, as I said, is very exploratory in nature. This is why some of the uh, project management so styles that uh, people have been trying to implement into data science simply does not work because the process, the outcomes are not well-defined, whereas you can um, borrow some of the ideas of project management, such as uh, uh, Agile and some other project management styles and implement it, but not as is. If you uh, think of, if companies think of data science as a software engineering project, uh, it will limit significantly their capability. So uh, for stakeholders that are a part of the discussion, I would advise them to uh, not be so rigid and uh, try to uh, have a two-way dialogue rather than asking a data science teams to produce certain outcomes that they're used to having. You mentioned earlier the importance of large pharma companies working with startups. The larger companies have access to data and processes. The smaller companies have access to more advanced uh, tech technical approaches. But once you start mixing those two, don't you layer onto it another whole set of very difficult cultural and economic challenges? That's correct. One of the solutions uh, some of the companies have um, applied was to build an internal group that is somewhat isolated from the rest of the uh, um, stakeholders internally, essentially acting like an internal startup. So this is one way to um, solve some of the problems, uh, potential problems that you just mentioned. But uh, I think the uh, traditional approach nowadays is to collaborate and build relationships with uh, startups. So it, it really depends on how that relationship is being structured. 
if you um, have an agreement with a startup, but uh, have that startup act like an internal stakeholder, I think it won't, it won't solve some of the problems. Uh, whereas you can really build a relationship with a startup that isolates the startup as a separate entity, but reports only to the top and then organically uh, build a, a very flat structure with some of the teams that can uh, complement to the efforts, I think is the way to move forward. And I think uh, companies uh, are eager to build that sort of relationship. And I've seen uh, similar relationships being built in the industry. From this standpoint, the, there's really not much difference from looking at innovation approaches across different kinds of industries. It, this is the pharma space is not unique from that innovation standpoint of partnering with startups and trying to try various things to make it work out successfully for both sides. There are unique aspects to it because um, uh, pharma uh, is also very siloed, as I mentioned, and that brings a certain uh, level of secrecy. So unless uh, that uh, trust has been built, which takes some time and sometimes years to build, uh, that level of uh, uh, the lack of transparency hampers that, those efforts. But once that um, relationship has been built, uh, I think uh, the companies and the stakeholders can move beyond that uh, uh, secrecy and share information uh, transparently. But it's, it's one of the problems uh, building those uh, long-lasting uh, relationships that are uh, based on trust. Is the secrecy aspect in drug discovery really one of the most important obstacles to that innovation partnership? I wouldn't say it's one of the most important aspects, but it definitely uh, contributes uh, or hampers the effort of building those relationships when people and companies uh, sit down uh, at the table and discuss how they can contribute to their efforts and how mutually they can benefit from that relationship, it typically takes uh, several months to a year to move through bureaucracy and make sure that uh, the data and the challenges and the fiscal priorities are being shared transparently. To what extent do large pharma companies have an interest in doing innovative and deploying innovative processes that disrupt the established organization and disrupt established executive positions and potentially compensation. This is a generic problem. It's not just drug discovery, but it seems like how, how big an issue is it? I think it's a very big issue. There's a high risk that comes with cultural transformation. There comes a high risk uh, when it comes to changing the status quo internally. And what we see is uh, when you come as a, a stakeholder or a leader in one of the branches within the company, have that vision, but you, you are not empowered or you don't share that vision with the um, board or the CEO or the CTO, uh, what we see, it, it never happens. It never matures to a level where it can be implemented and executed on. So I think uh, companies that really have decided at the board level to drive that cultural transformation, which has to go in parallel with the digital transformation, uh, change their leadership from the very top, they change uh, their culture, and they make sure that it precipitates down to the stakeholders, which will take time, yes, but I think the first and foremost uh, transformational uh, point is at the very top. Unless you have a board or a leadership 
that drives that transformation, it will never happen from bottom up. Kanupriya Agarwal asks, how much funding do you anticipate being set aside for AI and data science and drug discovery in the near future? What do you see the dynamics at play here? It's a difficult one to answer because uh, uh, each company is making their own decisions. But I think um, uh, the trend uh, moves in a direction where a significant amount of money will go into internal investment. But also, I think at least in the short term, because pharma companies won't be able to complete that digital transformation and cultural transformation in the short term, they will continue to uh, buy or partner or invest into startups. So I think uh, there will be a significant budget, uh, obviously many billions of dollars that go into external partnerships and purchases to expand their portfolio in the target areas. But also internally, I think it will be more incremental. Uh, but I think uh, in order to build capabilities that is scalable, takes a long time and companies know that they, they cannot just wait and not invest internally and expect to buy out startups. And two years from now, when the technology is mature enough, they cannot just hire people and then uh, do it internally, which will obviously be the choice to make. So I think incrementally building that internal know-how and capability while they diversify their risk is a uh, way to move forward. And it's, it's the trend that we see. In your view, there's an opportunity for startups who are able to gain success with this to be acquired by larger pharma companies going forward. It's the right time to invest into startups that uh, build therapeutics in uh, different domains, in gene therapy, uh, in, in proteins, in, in uh, oncology, uh, in, in different kinds of therapeutics and drug discovery. I think it's a very good time to invest into those companies. Data, however, is going to have to come from the large companies, or is that not correct? Do startups have a chance developing their own data? It would depend on the company and what exactly they're doing. Some companies are just building algorithms. Some companies want to be a part or drive the whole drug discovery process. And typically those companies are already backed by big investors. And there are companies that just uh, tackle certain aspects of the clinical trials process and optimize that. So it will really depend on the company, their funding, uh, uh, whether they're being backed by uh, big companies and VCs. What about the role of VCs and investors in pushing this forward? There are several kinds of VCs. Uh, one type of VC wants a short-term gains, but I think in data science and machine learning, particularly in biotech, I think the uh, investors are uh, more interested in mid-term to long-term gains because it will be transformational. But uh, VCs are interacting, obviously, across the industry. They know where things are going. And if they're smart investors, they will uh, diversify their risk. There are some uh, companies that uh, potentially have, uh, uh, will have results in the short term, but there are companies that are in for uh, the long term. So uh, I think uh, data science, uh, machine learning, in the context of dr drug discovery, is uh, somewhat of a mid-term investment to a long-term investment, uh, whereas uh, pharma companies internally will continue to invest in the short term as well to uh, be ready when the technology is mature enough. Belend, as we finish up, what have I not asked you? Are there any fundamentally key issues that we have not covered that we need to talk about for the sake of completeness? 
one of the aspects that we have uh, touched upon in our previous conversations is also very valid uh, in, in this context, and that's uh, leadership. Uh, a part of that cultural transformation, I think the uh, uh, most important aspect of driving that transformation internally is the profile of the leader. Pharma, uh, as I mentioned, is traditionally very territorial, and when you uh, look at the uh, um, leadership that is driving those efforts, they have been in the industry for more than 10, 15 years, and the leaders that they're typically hiring have been in the uh, pharma industry uh, out of academia for, for many decades. When you have uh, uh, data science efforts primarily led by uh, business leadership, it certainly adds to the data science uh, um, efficiency, but I think the uh, business mindset does not work really well with long-term data science strategy. So I think uh, it is essential to find leadership that has a domain expertise, has been in multiple domains, uh, and can adapt to uh, uh, the pharma domain uh, fairly quickly. Uh, repeating the same thing, uh, keeping the same structure, having the same mindset, and then expecting out-of-the-box uh, transformational results uh, just doesn't work. So you have to have leaders that can think out-of-the-box, can bring the creative aspect of data science into the operations of your company, especially in pharma. So they have to be open to uh, hiring uh, leadership that is out of the box. If I can push back slightly on what you just said, so of course it makes sense to hire domain to, to hire leadership with domain expertise, both in data science and in drug discovery. However, if you don't bring a business person to that party, then you may not be able to construct an economically viable model and set of processes for, for enabling this to be durable for the longer term. Absolutely. I didn't mean to, uh, uh, for them to, I didn't want to recommend hiring a person that does not consider business priorities. And this is where collaboration uh, is uh, critically important. And the approach to uh, data science operations is to build a collaborative uh, relationship with all stakeholders, especially uh, with the business arm of the companies to make sure that everybody has an open mind and uh, can go through a process where in which they educate each other rather than having a rigid mindset that goes both to the business side of things and also to the data science of things. I noticed that on your bio, it says stealth startup. How would you like to totally spill the beans and no longer be stealth? For companies <laughs> you move out of stealth mode, there are different, different models. If you have a product that you are ready to uh, talk about and share with the public, I think it's a good time. But typically nowadays, because the R&D uh, loop uh, is very fast, much quicker than before. Companies prefer to come out of stealth uh, way before the product is mature enough, but right after when they have a proof of concept. So uh, with the companies that I'm involved in, both on the advising side of things and also building technology, um, some of them are not there yet. We have been speaking with Boulent Kislaton. He is a Senior data scientist and C-level executive 
Bulent, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's been a very interesting and fascinating discussion. Before you go, please subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter at the top of our website. You can hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much, everybody. And check out CXOTalk.com. And we will see you again next time. We have great shows coming up. Bye-bye.